Some rounds, birdies can be hard to come by. Fortunately for us all, some don't require that solid iron game to be found. Welcome to Bird Watchers, an expression of our eternal devotion to all things bird. Trade the rangefinder for a pair of binocs and keep an eye out for this week's featured bird. Did we do it again? Pretty good one there, Joey. A good one? Better or worse than the last? Uh, I think that we have to adjust the grading scale based on level of difficulty. I think the albatross, I was taken aback because level of difficulty on that, I would I would class as pretty high. Excellently done. I think you hit all the right inflections there, so let's jump into it, Joey. How you been this week, man? I've been good, dude. Been good. We've been having some, some good weather lately. Hasn't been too terribly hot, and... Just been grinding through the week, man. July 4th was good, but just back to the work grind. How about yourself? Have some nice socially distant 4th of July fun. Definitely socially distant and um, still got to see some fireworks. A bunch of them around here got canceled, as I'm sure it did around the the world, but or around the country, I should say. I hung out right here and our neighbors, they did it last year, so I was hoping they would again this year and they shooting fireworks off across the pond here. Oh yeah? So that I got my own little personal light show from them. They were having a blast, man. So yeah, socially distant, sitting about 100 yards away, watching them shoot off across the pond. That's the way to do it. Can't ask for more. Did you play any golf? I was going to, but it just, plans kind of fell through, but I am heading to Charlotte in, well, tomorrow to play a little golf. Play a couple rounds of golf a weekend with some, full. some buddies. Yeah, a weekend full of golf. So Can't ask for more. I hope the weather holds off. I know our friends along the East Coast this weekend are going to experience a little bit of rain. I'm not sure if that's in the forecast for Raleigh or not. Yeah, we've been getting the summer storms, the afternoon pours. Yeah, we have, seems like every day right now, doesn't it, that these thunderstorms just make it pretty unpredictable. Right around 2 or 3 o'clock, we'll get rain for like an hour, and then it'll pretty much go away. At least where I'm at. I don't know what everyone else sees, but... That's what I see mostly every day, especially when I used to live in Georgia. But that's for another time. What about you? Have you been playing any golf? Um, I've been. I was at the golf course. I was at Lonnie Pool working all weekend. I did get a round in. Um, I think it's it's worth mentioning. I was within about three holes of a of a personal best. I thought it was going to be a career day. Finished four over on my last three holes to to shoot seventy six to shoot four over. Hate to see that. Yeah, cannot get to that even par <laughs> number, man. Two under on the front. And then, Ooh. so what, 34, 42. Dang. Finished man. in the dark. Yeah, I think my last two bogeys were pretty much a bummer, but also I couldn't even see the golf ball. So I was flying incredibly by, you know, just feel at that point. But had to get that round in, had to finish it because 75 is my low round. So I wanted to at least try to, to get that number. So that's a, a weak, weak finish. What were the birds like that day, both golf course and? Oh, animals. Man, it's so it's so funny. So I started the day working. I opened out there. So I was I was in at 6:30. And as I'm heading out to the driving range, it's probably 7:30 at this point. People are out on the range hitting, and I'm going out to hop on the picker, and I notice two little objects in the middle of the driving range, and they piqued my interest, so I stopped and walked over and I realized that these were two baby birds. So I, I kind of waved. There were only a few people in the range, so I kind of waved to them. I think they saw me anyway on the utility pull out in front of them. So I waved to them to stop them, and then 
scooped up these little birds. I mean, these were little fledglings and got them over to the tree line, which lines the right side of the driving range and, and got them in the pine straw in the shade. And I, I didn't see a mother, uh, but obviously these were, these were fledgling birds who were probably getting their first flying lessons. So probably by the next day they were, they were up and running and flying, but they had decided that the, the driving range was going to be their own personal runway for the day. Probably not their wisest decision. So I helped, I helped them make better life choices. There you go. Someone's Showed got them to. where birds go in the trees. Do you know what their call is? Can you make their call? Oh. I know I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, I can't do that. So these were, I misidentified at first. I thought they were chickadees based on the coloration and they're, they're fledglings. So it's harder to identify. But when the mother came around, she informed me that they were in fact, Eastern kingbirds which is a species of flycatcher. Most people, you've probably actually all seen them. Um, I even wasn't really sure what they were called until then. But once I saw the mother, I quickly was able to identify using the handy Audubon Guide to North American Birds app, which I'm not sure if you've used or downloaded yet. I know I've been pitching it to everybody. Highly recommend for all of you all, by the way. Makes it quick and easy to punch in some information about the birds you saw, even take a picture and upload and... It'll identify it for you. No way. Yeah, pretty cool. I'm going to have to download that. Uh, there's all types of things, and it's just a great tool for being able to learn the tools of the trade of bird watching per se. Yeah. It teaches you how to look for things like the shape or the profile of the bird, which is usually the easiest way to identify them, especially at a distance. And then from there, get into coloration, size, and all the minutiae that separate each species from each other. Uh, but the kingbird, yeah, they were cool, man. Um Mom came around, kind of harassed me a little bit because I was messing with her chicks. So I snapped a couple pictures and then let them be. And then I came back like two hours later and they were just still sitting there just watching balls fly by. They were golf watching. They're hanging out. They probably have a podcast of their own, Golf Watchers. <laughs> Jeb and Joey Bird. If Jeb and Joey were birds, <laughs> yeah. we would definitely be fledgling Eastern King birds. Hanging totally, out the yeah. Range. I saw the picture you sent. I could totally be that bird. <laughs> they were great, weren't they? <laughs> they Ooh, were, guys, yeah. man. Uh, and then to top it off, so I saw two birds in the morning and then ended my round with two birds, three and four good ones. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I thought that was, I thought that was all very fitting on the day that the first episode of Bird Watchers came out that not only do I see two birds, you know, that's a pretty unique experience even for me to come across two yeah. fledglings like that. To not only see that, but then to make two birdies, which for me, more than one in a round is worth note worth noting so so i've played lonnie so i know the course take me through your your best birdie i want to hear about it the best one it's probably well i'd always number five and number 18 were the two holes that i hadn't birdied oh i up, thought you were up gonna to, say. like probably i would say i've played 200 rounds at lonnie so i would say up through maybe my first 150 those were the two holes that i hadn't birdied and then I got number 18 like twice in a week, actually. Like the only two times I've ever birdied that hole, and it was twice in the same week. They were just run of the mill. I think I made some decent putts, but I think the one I'm most proud of or the coolest was on number five, the one birdie I've made on five from the Redsies. Tough hole. I, um, I hit a hybrid from 190. Man, it's funny. That's always last week when we talked about my birdie, it was the same so, thing. Hybrid in, yeah. Although this one was a flush hybrid, and uh, I smacked the flagstick on the hop and it was maybe two inches from the hole dang that was that was a fun one what what sucked about that was the fact that 
I was playing with Sky Yaz that day, and then Sky Yaz, <laughs> yeah. Sky Yaz made a putt from the front of that green to the back of that green to steal my skin. No way. Oh. <laughs> hey, this is like, that's a bomb. I don't know, that's like a 50, 55-foot putt on a green that's got some kinds of crazy undulations in it. Yeah, very front, front to back. back. He's yep. on the front fringe. Mm-hmm. I'd already chalked up my skin, and those skins were worth like $72 that day, too. Yeah, skin on five is just likely. Yeah, if you birdie that hole. So... Of course, I had to have my limelight stolen that day, but that's probably that's probably the most memorable bird I've Any made. birdie on five is a good birdie. Yeah, just hitting book. the green on five is, is a good one. Yeah. I had I a agree. chance, man. When I shot 76 the other day, I, I felt like I could have been, you know, it was one of those days where it was just, I could have been five under through five. I missed one on five. But uh, yeah, one of those days, you know, when everything seems to be going and relatively speaking, you know, 76, I'm sure for some of you all would be another Tuesday, but there's, that's what keeps us coming back in exactly. those kinds of rounds. Well, it takes one shot. One shot brings you back. So so a full day on the golf course yeah. filled with all kinds of birds. Yeah, Pretty good, man. That is a good day. So all take right. us to our bird today. This week's featured bird is probably my favorite owl, the barred owl. So Joey, have you ever seen a barred owl? Did you know what barred owls were? Had you ever come across one? I probably have seen one, just didn't realize that it was a barred owl. Um, and then once I looked up the calls, it's like, okay, I've definitely heard that before. Right. I feel like that's the case. And that's sort of why we decided to go with this one this week. Uh, the distinctive eight note call that you so kindly did for us is unique in the owl world. So the barred owl is the only known species to, to hit those eight notes. And thus that paired with their ubiquitousness, they're all over the East coast and now have encroached. We'll touch on that a little more, but they have expanded their range into the Pacific Northwest and Canada. But that call, the is incredibly, I'm sure all of you all have heard that many, many times. Now we have to have the listeners vote who's is better because you did it now. Please do email or reach out to us on Instagram and let us know. Also do your own calls. I'm sure that there are some of you out there who can top both of those efforts. Yeah. So the barred owl gets its name from the distinctive striping. I know we're sitting here looking at a picture of it. You can see the distinctive horizontal striped bars, if you will, up on the neck and chest, and those contrasts with the vertical bars that run along its wings and outer plumage. Uh, they're rather plain looking in terms of the coloration, grayish, brownish, uh, moderate size, about a two-foot wingspan, the two-and-a-half-foot wingspan. So in the owl world, that's moderate. But they are an apex predator. They don't really, that's why, one of the reasons why they're so common is the fact that, for one, they nest in swamps and old forest, old growth, which has, you know, I'm sure evolution didn't plant it this way, but that's made it particularly, I should say, hardy or able to withstand human intervention because aren't many humans in the swamps, aren't many humans in these old growth forests. And environmental legislation over the years has seen to it that a lot of those places that barred owls are in are protected from logging or from things like that. So due to all these different factors, the barred owl has fared better than, say, its cousin in the Pacific Northwest, the spotted owl. So the spotted owl got its notoriety. I don't know if many of you at home have heard of this. I'm sure some of our homies up in uh, Oregon, Washington, and that part of the world have uh, have heard the stories of the, of the spotted owl. So the spotted owl is kind of the poster child for was the poster child for environmental legislation in the 80s, um, and it's sort of the conservation efforts for that species really shaped logging the logging industry, both federally but more specifically to uh, these states. 
And so the spotted owl kind of became like, you know, the poster boy for save the forest, save the owls. And it worked and their populations were leveled out. However, the barred owl, I mentioned earlier how their natural habitat lends itself to being away from humans because they prefer the old, where they prefer to nest, I should say, in these swamps. But as, as encroachment has happened, as time has passed and human intervention has occurred, the barred owl has expanded its range and began to move north and west. And they're actually now competing with and winning against the spotted owl in the Pacific Northwest. So what is the spotted as, owl's wingspan? Is it the uh, same? Spotted owl is a close, close cousin. They actually look pretty similar, but the spotted owl is a few inches smaller in all directions. They're both pretty non-aggressive. As far as owls go, they're non-aggressive. Uh, as a matter of fact, the only competitor that the barred owl experiences in the wild in the eastern part of the United States is from its, the great horned owl, which is, I'm sure most people can envision what those look like. They're bigger. They're bigger. Great horned owls are, are everywhere. Like most people think of an owl, that's what they think of. And great horned owls are notoriously more aggressive. And they, barred owls, when they come across great horned owls in a habitat, will sooner leave the habitat than try to stay and compete. And that willingness to uproot and leave. So barred owls will stay in one habitat so long as there's no competition or so long as the habitat remains. But should the habitat become destroyed or should competition move into town barred owls are very likely to just leave and move and so that type of behavior has lent itself to their migration across the continent they don't like the drama they're not here for the drama they're not here for the fights (laughs) that that does kind of make it ironic though how they they've gotten pushed out of one area by the prevalence of the great horned owl and now they're pushing out the spotted owl and other smaller species of owl where they're competing for the habitat in the northwest so I guess they just don't like to pick fights with bigger dogs, yeah. <laughs> but they're more than willing to with smaller ones. Let me ask you this too. Is the size of their wingspan directly proportionate to like the size of their claws, like their feet? No, not really. No. I don't I don't know. That's actually a good question. I don't I couldn't imagine that there's a direct correlation, mm-hmm. but surely I mean, I do know that the bigger the bird, bigger the, the bigger the feet are yeah. when it comes to owls and, and birds of prey, raptors which they don't fall in the raptor. What are they? It's aves and then... Aves, yeah. We just learned uh, about that. I just learned about oh that. Oh, yeah, Strix. That's the Latin family to okay. which owls belong. It's like Strix. So the Latin name for barred owls, Strix Varia. I don't speak Latin. I'm not sure exactly of the, badass name. the root of that taxonomy, yeah. but uh, Strix Varia is pretty cool. That's, that is that'd cool. That would be a nice like golf ball brand name. For real. Strix yeah. Varia. We're on it. Trademark it. So at any rate, one thing I found interesting about these guys... Uh, well, there's a lot of fun interesting. One thing that of note, speaking of the call, it's noted um, that Harriet Tubman used to use the call of the barred owl, used to impersonate the call of the barred owl to send messages of safe or not safe for people to move along the Underground Railroad. I think that's a cool, a cool historical fact related to the bird and also related to the call. I mean, people, not only Joey Davison, but people have been doing this call for years and years and years and years and years because of how ubiquitous that sound is to certain parts of this country. Do you know if that call was the safe call or if that was like the... The way I read it is it was the variance of the call, uh, much like probably how the owl would do it in nature, The the because that's not the only call they make. That's the one we associate with them, but they do have other songs, so to speak, that they sing. But that notable, the eight-note call 
is what she would use. And I have to assume that certain inflections or certain variants is what lent it's like itself a version to. of Morse code almost. Yeah. I mean, so that's pretty fascinating to me. Another that thing. Is, yeah. So one more thing that I found interesting about the barred owl and of their relevance to us all is the fact that they're used by biologists and foresters as an indicator species. So because of the behavior of their willingness to up and migrate, to up and move locations, they are particularly susceptible, or I should say um, the, their populations change or fluctuate due to, say, logging. And so when a logging crew comes in, the forestry management service, whoever is managing that stretch of woods, can use the barred owl population numbers, can use counts of barred owls to then create inferences, pretty accurate inferences on the overall ecological health of that environment and of the ecological impact that that logging crew is having or, you know, associated industries that come into these areas. So the barred owl across the East Coast specifically is a great tool to measure the ecological health Hmm. of your area. If there are a lot of barred owls around, it means that probably things are running as smoothly as they should in your area and that the impact, be it from uh, competitory animals or from humans, has been minimalized. So that's cool uh, to know about them. Um, So for you all at home listening out for the barred owl, I hope you can hear lots of them. That's a sign of a healthy backyard. Yeah, okay. Nice. That's interesting. um, Keep learning so much. So much, man. And they're fun. They're, I, I've, uh, I've come across one barred owl. So uh, Mr. Don, who we talked about um, oh, yeah. when I was younger, I was probably, this wasn't long after I met him, a crew of landscapers who mowed his yard had found an, a barred owl at another. They, I think they were doing one of the North Carolina rest areas. And they were, they were mowing the area and they found this injured owl. And they're like, oh, that man whose grass we cut, I bet he knows what to do with this. And so they brought him and said, one of my first introductions to Mr. Don working with him was to try to, to, uh, resuscitate this injured barred owl, which we were, we, he only stayed alive for about another week and he passed RIP Julio. But that was a cool, that was like my first encounter with one of these birds of prey really up close and, you know, feeding it and trying to nurse it back to health. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that sparked. So anytime I think of owls, like the barred owl always sticks with me and I always think of Julio. So Julio, if you're listening this one's for you. Yeah, there you go. So do people, this may be a dumb question, do people have barred owls as pets or any owl? For uh, no, we talked about falconers last week. Yeah, um, and that's where I'm I was sure going. we will get yeah. more into falconry. Owls um, are used in falconry, but you don't see barred owls very often. Um, you will find them at raptor centers in places because of how common they are. That means they are more likely to show up injured. You're more likely to find an injured barred owl than mm-hmm. you are other ones. So you will find these birds at different centers, at uh, rehabilitation centers, because people are finding them and bringing them in. But they're not as, I'll say, pretty as other owls. Like yeah. the barn owl is the one you'll most commonly find a falconer having because barn owls are, are gorgeous. They're just a nicer looking bird, better coloration, brighter white and really goldish tan coloration, red even. At Sylvan Heights in Scotland Neck, they have a pair of Eurasian eagle owls. And I know that in the past they've, so they're notoriously hard to breed. Eurasian eagle owls, for reference, are the largest species in the world. Uh, wingspan, six to seven feet, enormous birds. So they've been known to to take, to kill small deer in their part of the world, which is Eurasia. Different types of deer, but yeah, these things are, are no joke. 
that was the scariest part of my job there. Quick side note, at Sylvan Heights when I worked was feeding those guys, like walking into this pen with them when they would just sit on their perch and just glare, <laughs> just absolutely glare at you with eyes the size of dinner plates. Oh, and yeah. I'd just kind of walk in with a mouse and be like, here about, it is. About the size of a <laughs> baby gonna, deer. I'm going to put it right here. Do not come at me, bro. <laughs> and then back out. Yeah, they're huge. So birds like that are, are a little more interesting for a falconer or an owl like that is a little more interesting. Eurasian eagle owls, not as common, but you'll find eagle owls to be falconers because you can actually hunt sizable prey with those two as opposed to a barred owl, which is going to eat mice, maybe a squirrel, pr- primarily smaller rodents. So it wouldn't come for my chart cuttery board? Would not come for that, no. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess a, a good-sized piece of salami is about the size of a mouse. That might would work. But they like bones. Uh-huh. Owls like bones, and they have special stomachs. They're gizzard that can like break down and process bones. That was one of the reasons we found that Julio probably didn't make it too, was we were feeding him sliced meat, deli meat. Didn't have a supply of mice around, but birds need that bone in their diets, and they need to be able to break that down for their stomachs to work properly. So that's an important part of their diet. And yeah, so please do let us know if you know any falconers. We would love to hear about their experiences with owls. Yeah. Uh, if any of you out there have had experiences, close-ups with barred owls, um, we would love to see some videos, hear some calls, learn about those as well. Uh, maybe we'll find out that out barred owls are in parts of the country that nobody knew. So, homies in Arizona, let us know, please. Homies all over, let us know of your birds and birdies, because that's what we're here for. Well, Joey... I sure did enjoy another day of discussing just those with you, man. Yeah, this is fun, Glad man. you're learning lots. I hope you all at home are as well. Three episodes in. Keep an eye out next week. We've got a really fun one coming up. You're going to get to watch videos of me doing ridiculous things. We're going to get to learn a little bit more about... Well, I guess I shouldn't say it. We'll hold on to that for now. It's confidential. Sign up for our newsletter, Up and Down. We're two editions in and going strong. How can people sign up for that? They can go to our website, and at the bottom, you can see where you put your email in to sign up for the newsletter. So check out lionloft.com. And be sure to check out the Companion Bird Watchers edition to the Up and Down newsletter. You can catch out all the fast facts on barred owls. You can see a link to the Audubon Guides to North American Birds so that you can impress all your homies with fast facts on them. And yeah, be looking out for us next week. Until then. Caw-caw! Caw-caw!